welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to entangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey guys, what's up? It's your girl, Kate, and welcome back to another episode of the Heart of Dating podcast. It's actually just me today. JJ sat this one out, and we love JJ, of course, but today is a conversation with my girl, Amanda Pittman, and it really goes perfectly with last week's episode on lust and modesty and our hot take on lust and modesty, which if you haven't listened, you guys got to go and listen, okay? This episode with Amanda today, we are going to dive into can Christian women be sexy? Is sexy a bad word? Is this something that we shouldn't be as Christians, especially Christian women? Or is there a way to reclaim this word sexy and what it truly means? And so I have a really honest conversation with Amanda. She is filled with wisdom. She brings incredible theological resources into the mix. And this is just, it was truly a favorite conversation of mine. So you guys are going to love it. Now, before I tell you about who Amanda is, is I just have one thing to ask of you guys. Would you do me a favor and rank us and review us here on iTunes? It actually really helps us to be discovered. And, you know, it really also helps us to get this podcast into the hands of more people. And another thing you could do for us is if you could just share one of your favorite episodes from the Heart of Dating season 10 or any season, if you could share this podcast with a friend or a group of friends, that would mean a lot to us. You guys, this is the way that podcasters can get discovered. And, you know, we do put so much effort into doing this podcast for you guys every week. We love it. Okay. It's my favorite thing that we do. But, you know, we want to continue to spread the really awesome things that we have going on here and all the good conversations we have going on. So do us a favor and write us a review on iTunes and then also share this episode with one, two, or maybe three of your best friends. Okay. Let me tell you about who Amanda is. Amanda Pittman is an author, speaker, entrepreneur, and the founder of Confident Women Co., a ministry that equips women to stand confidently upon the finished work of Jesus. Through Confident Women Co., Amanda hosts retreats, conferences, online events, podcasts, videos, and more. You guys, she has an amazing YouTube channel, by the way. Amanda lives near Dallas, Texas with her husband, Michael, and her two children, Elijah and Lily. This conversation is so rich. It's phenomenal. And I really think you're going to like it. So without further ado, here's my episode with Amanda. Okay. I am so excited today. We have Amanda Pittman on. What's up, girl? I am so (laughs) excited to be here. (laughs) <laughs> I I love this because we connected a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And then recently I did a post on Instagram about kind of debunking this narrative of lust and kind of that women need to mitigate lust for a man. And you commented on it and you're like, oh, I just did this video actually mm-hmm. uh, similar to this topic. And I was like, 
okay, I need to go listen to this video like right now because we had connected. I know you're legit. And I'm like, I need to see this video. I love when things align like that, when you're like on the same page talking about a similar topic. And so I saw this video, which everyone just off the bat, you have to go check out this video that Amanda did on her YouTube. Um, it Basically, she talked through attraction and can Christian women be sexy. And Amanda, I was just stunned by that. So in tandem with this conversation, everyone needs to go listen to that video. Your YouTube channel is Amanda Pittman. Is yes. that right? Yes. Okay. Super simple. Just my name. Okay. Amazing. And so it's so good. And of course, outside of that video, you have so much incredible content on there. I love your story that you were talking about, about your faith recently, and just so many powerful, powerful videos. And you just have an incredible voice. Why don't you just tell people a little bit about you, Amanda, and then we'll get into the combo. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I'm just so excited to be here. I, I resonate so much when you say it's so amazing when things align. You know, I like when I saw your post, I thought it was such a rich, beautifully articulated post. Um, and the fact that I was speaking on the same thing at the same time, it, it resonated that much more. And so, so, so happy to be here. Yeah. A little bit about me. I, I live near Dallas, Texas with my family. I've been married for almost nine years now and um, happily married and um, have two beautiful kids. I lead a ministry called Confident Woman Co., which equips women to stand confidently upon the finished work of Jesus. And I'm also a speaker and an author, and I am also a content creator. So um, th that, that's a little bit about me, the spark notes, at least. <laughs> Yes. I love it. What you do is phenomenal. I love like, also you have an Instagram confident women code too, yes. right? So your Instagram and like a, a whole ministry there. So you guys got to check out both those things. So phenomenal. Um, yeah, your voice is so needed and you're doing incredible work, Amanda. Um, so we, you know, last week on the podcast, we released an episode about the topic lust and modesty, really going through what you had seen on Instagram that post in more detail because on Instagram, you know, you post something, it's just a soundbite, right? You can't really get to everything you per se want to say in an Instagram video or an Instagram post. And that's why we have things like YouTube and podcasts. We can have more deeper conversation. And so JJ and I, my husband, we went over kind of the male and female perspective on this concept of lust and what really is lust and the, the clarification of what lust is versus noticing that somebody is a beautiful person. Those are really two different things. And also really leaning back into taking ownership for if I'm lusting, I really need to take the ownership myself first and foremost. And then we also transition to talk through modesty. Okay. So because if we're really empowering men, Hey, you need to take ownership. If you have a lust issue, you need to take ownership. But that, where does that leave women with this whole conversation on modesty? And then we we talk through that as well. And, you know, I love the the video that you did because, you know, in it, you kind of named it, can Christian women be sexy? And I'm like, ooh, that's already like spicy, right? Like, can we be sexy? And there's so many connotations when you say the word sexy of like what that means. And I feel like in the Christian world, there's a lot of negative thought about what the word sexy means. And, you know, sexy modesty, can that even exist in one breath or one sentence? Like, I don't know, like that as Christians, we're like, uh, and so I want to start by just asking you, how do you define sexy? The way you broke it down was so awesome. I'd love to start the conversation there. <laughs> yeah. So I, first of all, I chose the word sexy because it is so, uh, there's so much implied in that, depending on what space you're in. And in, in the church, the word sexy has been 
demonized. It, it, it's, it's lost its full intent and meaning. And so the word sexy actually could be used as a weapon towards someone. Like I, there was someone who commented in, in the comments that said, you know, oh, someone accused me of looking sexy and they said it in a negative light as if I was supposed to be ashamed about that. And then I felt bad. Um, and so that's even why I made the video, can Christian women be sexy in particular? I feel like that word is just, it's, it's, we just got to redeem the word itself. Exactly. We're yes. here to redeem that word. Exactly. Yes. yes. Um, and so I looked it up in the dictionary and sexy means sexually attractive or exciting, exciting or appealing. And so when you think about that definition of the word, sexiness is something that can only be subjective to the beholder, you know? So like sexiness is something that we may have the power to influence as women, but we do not have the power to control someone else's perception of our sex. Absolutely. That's right. 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 And I love when you broke down in the video too, like, Hey, like if there is the sexiness is like, say the definition one more time. Cause I need to, yes. I need my people to hear it one more time. <laughs> yeah. To be sexually attractive or exciting, exciting okay. or appealing sexually attractive or exciting. I feel like, you know, and you said this, but I think at the baseline and what we're trying to take back is there is nothing wrong with being a sexual person, being sexy. Like there's nothing wrong with that because it was designed when God designed us in his, you know, when he birthed us into being and he said, my, they are made in my image. And this is a good thing. Like, meaning all parts of creation as a human is a good thing. All parts, including our sexual parts, including the sexual part of ourselves that it might be sexy or have a sexual drive or sexual desire, which we've been talking about so much in this episode or in the series. And so at the baseline, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But I think that's where we get hung up. We're like, oh, but this word sexy or being sexy is wrong. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of what you were referencing, like man and women, men and women were made in the image of God. We're made in the Imago day. And whenever he made us on the sixth day, he said it was very good. But you also have to think about the fact that Whenever he made Adam first, he brought the animals to Adam for him to name, but he didn't have a helper that was suitable to him. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Every other animal had their counterpart, had their counterpart. But when he made Adam, he didn't initially say, this is good. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. And then he made one, he made woman. And then he said, it is very good. In in the Bible, throughout um, each day of creation, and there was there was evening, and then there was morning. You know, he, before you read that, you always see, and God said that it was good. But this day, God said that it was very, very good, good. very mm. good. He blessed them, and He said, "Be fruitful and multiply." Listen, you're not going to be fruitful and multiply if there is no sexual attraction or sexual drive. Also, whenever uh, uh, Adam. Uh, was presented with Eve, he said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He saw something that he liked. He, 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 he was drawn to this woman and it, it, it added a sense of, um, of, of belonging and companionship. And so in that they were naked and unashamed. 
That was God's original intent. That was God's original design. And so Adam was designed to be sexually appealing, sexually attractive to Eve. And Eve was designed to be sexually attractive and appealing to Adam. And so if we think about God's original design and the fact that he called us very good, we can redeem the qualities within us that are beautiful or that are appealing to others. Um, we And another piece of that is that we can't control whether or not someone is drawn to our beauty, whether or not it's a platonic attraction, like I love your, your qualities, or it's a sexual attraction. We, we can't control that. Um, and so redeeming the word sexy is simply about saying, hey, if you do not have an intent to cause someone else to lust or to stumble, if you're not being seductive, if you're being mindful of how you're presenting yourself, and yet someone still says that you are sexy, that is not something that you need to take on and internalize and that creates shame about your appearance because you are made in the image of God and your sexiness is not a sin. Yes. I mean, you said this too, and I, I love this because it's what I've been thinking and processing. Like a woman could be completely covered up. She could be wearing a massive sweatshirt. This morning I went on a walk. I was wearing a massive sweatshirt, like no shape to anything here. Just like was just wanted to be casual. Right. And I could be completely covered up like that. Like nothing. You can't even see the shape of my body. And somebody could look at me and still say she's sexy or I see her and I I think she is sexy. And so it's not always about like to your point it's it can't sexiness is very subjective and you know I think we think of the word sexy as Christians and we think somebody who's provocative, right? We think of somebody who is I am revealing a lot and therefore I am sexy, but that isn't necessarily um the definition of sexy like you said before. Sexiness is something that is exciting and appealing. And so and that sexiness, that beauty isn't necessarily a wrong thing. And so I want to also talk through there is a difference between being beautiful and being attractive and, you know, attraction and lust. There's a there's a difference there. So can you break some of that down? Because you did it in the video, but it's so good. Yes. So there's a difference between beauty and attraction. So someone being beautiful or someone being good looking can be devoid of any sexuality. Like it could be devoid of any sexual attraction. Um, and so I can acknowledge that another woman is beautiful without saying I'm attracted to or I'm not attracted to women, right? And I can also acknowledge that another man is good looking, but I don't have attraction toward him. Like I, I, I've completely turned off that side of, of me because I'm married, happily married. And so, um, and so, yeah, so there's that, that good looking element that, is just innate within a person. Um, and, and even that is subjective to the beholder, correct? You know, like beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder. Um, but then there's attraction. And someone's attraction towards us is, is their draw towards us. They're saying, um, I'm not simply noticing the way that you look, but I, I find it appealing and I want to come closer to you. Think about like, like attraction. You think about magnets. It's like, 
um, I am drawn to you. And this could be a sexual draw or it could be, you know, I'm drawn to your charismatic energy. I'm drawn to your confidence. I'm drawn to the way that you carry yourself. Um, and so, um, beauty and attraction do go hand in hand, but they're, they, they also stand alone. That's really important though. Like that, I mean, that is so important because I, I mean, I say it all the time, like, wow, that is an attractive male. Like he's an attractive man. I am not wanting anything to do with him in a sexual way and nothing there, but I can genuinely look at that person and be like, oh yeah, he's attractive or look at this female. And I love when I see a beautiful woman, I'm like, wow, she's beautiful. She's super attractive. Like I can admire the beauty in her without it being oh, I, I'm sexually attracted because I'm not as sexually attracted to women, right? But the same even for me, again, like back to the the male thing, I can see a man and be like, wow, he's very, he's attractive. He has really beautiful, nice features. Like that's, that. wow. Like I just, he is a beautiful creation. He is an attractive person, but I'm not like I'm attracted to him in the way that I'm sexualizing him in any capacity. And so um, I think, that is an important distinction because I think we've we've especially as Christians we've turned that off. We're like I can't even like look or notice that somebody is beautiful. But I think what a disappointment that is because God created beautiful things and He created beauty in the world, like beauty in nature, beauty in a sunset, beauty in so much of His creation, and He also made beauty in people. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to see that and celebrate that and not idolize. Oh, beauty. Because I think, you know, cultural culturally we do. We idolize certain beauty standards, mm-hmm. but just be able to look at a person like, oh wow, you're that beautiful. Like it yes. stands out to me. Something about you is really beautiful. Yeah. Um yeah, can I speak? And to so that? there's a difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I and I think I'm I'm not going to impose a standard on everyone else, but for me, mm-hmm. language matters a lot. You know, yeah. like I would call a someone else who is a man who has good looking features, I would say all, oh, you know, you look nice, you're good looking or you're handsome, right? I wouldn't say to him, mm-hmm. but you know, just generally. Yeah. Um, but I personally won't say like that man is attractive because if I say that, I'm not saying that about you or anybody else, but I know for me, if I say that I'm confessing, I am drawn to a man that is other than my husband, you know? And so I think language matters as well because um, a lot of times we use language interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll use That's words true. like beauty yeah. and attraction interchangeably. We'll also use things like um, uh, sexiness and seduction interchangeably. And they're two completely different things. There's a difference between sexiness and seduction. Sexiness is someone's sexual draw toward another person. So that that is outside of the hands of the person. I can't control that. Yeah, I can't control that. Yeah. However, seduction, seduction is fully within the power of the one being beholded. They're saying, uh, seduction is saying, I am going to use my sexual power. I'm going to use um, my beauty and use any other means that I have, maybe my flattery, anything like that. I'm going to use that in order to get you to lust, in order to get you to give me attention or in order for you to literally have sex with me. And so we have to think about the definitions of these words. I got a comment in my, I got multiple comments. I mean, but there was a specific comment under my video that said, uh, you know, this is wrong. You need to repent. You know, I'm sent from the Lord to, to rebuke you. And I was like, I'm, I'm so confused by this comment because based on the video that, oh, 
by the way, I left it apart. They said a sexual immorality is wrong. They said that. And I was like, I'm so confused because based on the comment that you left, I believe that if my video was promoting sexual immorality, it would be fully warranted, but nowhere in my video am I saying that. Um, and she said, you said, you said Christian women can be sexy. And the way I hear that is that sexual immorality. No, it's not. What we're doing is- That sounds exactly what you're doing. It's language. We're conflating the two. Language matters. So what we've been doing within the church inadvertently, because we're not mindful of the language that we're using, is when we call a woman sexy, we are condemning her for our own attraction toward her. As opposed to saying, is she- is she showing signs of intent and pursuit, which are clear signs of seduction? Is she being seductive? That is is sexual immorality. But being sexy, that is our perception. That is not something she can control. So I, that's why I say like language, I believe language matters, you know? Um, so that's something. It's so important because even the way I just said it backing up a few minutes ago, like, I love that. For me, I'm going to try to uphold to that better even like when I see a person who a male who is has some handsome features, I'm going to say, "Hey, he's a handsome guy." versus saying, "Hey, he's an attractive guy." I love that. Like even that for myself, I think is really really important. The language really does matter and I think that what you're saying here is powerful because I think many times in the Christian world, we have punished naturally beautiful people. And you spoke to this. So let's talk about that because I I think it's like, it's so unfair, naturally beautiful people or more naturally curvy people. Like we punish people that are either like that, that person feels is more objectively beautiful or objectively curvy. And we're like, you know, this, they, they are punished, like just by the nature of the way their body looks or the way their facial features formed out of the womb, like literally things we cannot control, such as our curves or our hair or our um, eyes or the face shape that we have, like we can't control those things That's genetics, right? And Mm -hmm. so, but we condemn people for the way that they look. I'd love for you to talk about that. Yes. I I would definitely say that um, church generally, uh, I I can't speak to every church, every environment, but generally has uh, stigmatized beauty. And some people simply are given Mm. that by God, you know, like there are people who have like the way that they were born aligns with the beauty standard. So Mm. maybe they do have that waist to hip ratio. They have those perfect measurements. This is not something they got surgery for. This is not something that they asked God for. They didn't ask to be born, you know, like, um, so you you have to like, look at the features that they're given and, and, and say, when I see them wearing something or when I see them presenting themselves, is it that I notice their body and I notice their beauty? And because of that, I don't like that. Like either as a man, this, uh, I am in a lustful place. Or if I'm a woman, I am in in a place of intimidation. I'm in a place of jealousy. Um, Or I'm feeling threatened because my man is nearby and I'm I'm worried that he's going to notice her. Like we have to actually look inwardly and ask ourselves, are they actually doing anything wrong? 
Are they actually doing anything wrong? Um, I, I, the, and also the standard is, is consistently moving depending on what environment that you're in. You go to very like traditional Pentecostal environments. You got to wear the jean skirt all the way down to your shoes. Um, they're opposed to any like shoulders showing. So showing your arm, having a strap, but that's still a different standard that you would have at the swimming pool, right? Like right. modesty at Absolutely. the swimming pool is still quite different. Um, and so when you're looking at what someone is wearing and how they're presenting themselves, it's good to ask yourself, are they actually not upholding the standard of the environment that we're in? Or is it that I'm, I notice that they are beautiful, that they're good looking and, um, either I'm threatened or I'm drawn and that's, that's on me. You know, like, I I think it boils down to taking personal responsibility, Um, And all of this, all of this is granted that the person who is, is beautiful is stewarding their beauty properly, you know, and it's, it's it's not being seductive. It has no intent um, to be provocative, has no intent to garner unwanted attention, which is, I would say for the majority of, of women in the church, that's their desire for the majority. And I think we forget that. I think so many men and women ascribe intent and assume intent because if you had that level of beauty, you believe you would do it too. That I, I, I believe that like, um, like many times we'll ascribe intent based on what we would do if we were in somebody else's position. And so we have to think to ourselves, like, could it be that someone else has a level of beauty and they don't want un- unwanted onlookers? They don't want unwanted lust. Like, we cannot ascribe desire there as well. Um, and then another like example that I used within my video was in Song of Songs. Um, and uh, some people call it Song of Solomon. It's debated whether Solomon even wrote it, um, which is why I just lean on Song of Songs. And um, so within Song of Songs, uh, this is it's it's exploring sexuality. It's exploring human desire. Um, it's it's explaining um, attraction and ex- it's exploring these ideas of of, of love and, and that draw. And it's poetic. Um, it's a collection of poems. And in Song of Songs, um, there's a woman, the beloved, and um, she is being pursued. And there's this back and forth between the beloved and the man. And they're going back and forth, just describing one another, just describing their attraction toward one another. And then there's this, um, I can actually read it. I can read a part of it to you. Um, but it's in song of songs, um, chapter seven verses one through 10, if you want to read the entire thing. Um, but he starts off by saying, how beautiful are your sandaled feet, princess, your curves, the curves of your thighs are like jewelry, the handiwork of a master. Um, and there are parts of it that say things like, um, your neck is like a tower of ivory. Your eyes are like pools in Hezbon. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like, uh, is like purple cloth. Like your stature is like a palm tree. All of these things, of course, there are some more sexual features that are mentioned. Thighs, breasts, you know, he does mention those things. Uh, but you have to also look, he's, he's mentioning his, her neck, her nose, her eyes, her hair, her stature. He notices, notices these things and he finds them attractive and he is sexually attracted to these more platonic features. And so we cannot, as women, we cannot get rid of our neck. 
We cannot get rid of our nose, you know, and these are things we can't put a bag over our face. What are we going to do? Cut our hair off? Like, and so we have to be honest and say, at what point can women simply exist in the bodies that they're in? Um, And so sexiness is celebrated in the Bible. You see that in Song of Songs. But even in that, a lot of these features are unchangeable features. So, yeah. It's like he's describing he's attracted to the the like the essence of who she is and like the beauty of her as a person, which does include some physical parts of her, albeit a lot of unchangeable parts that she had no control over. And he's like, I celebrate and I love and I desire all of you, who you are, all of this. And so what you said and what you've said is like, really like we need to give christian women permission to be beautiful like the they should have permission to be beautiful and to live in the bodies that they live in and be able to take space and dress you know with well and wise intentions but be able to show up albeit maybe they're super beautiful and be able to just do that and not be criticized or condemned or judged. Um, You know, this is just like a random example. And I wasn't in church, but I went to my friend's baby shower, uh, not baby shower, baby's birthday the other day. And I was dressed up and I had to go into the 99 cent store because I forgot to get a bag. And I was like for the gift. And I was like, I need a bag. And so I went in the store and I'm dressed up. I'm in heels in a dress. And I just had like three men just walking in the store, just look at me, follow me. Two of them followed me. And I was like, like, this is I'm unwanted any sort of attention. I did not even make eye contact. And it's like those things happen to women all the time. And I am not purposely through my attire in any regard because I wasn't wearing anything wild, um, trying to draw that sort of attention from these guys. But just because I was in a beautiful outfit and maybe looked beautiful, they're drawn to me. And so I think, and that, but that's what happens. We, we, that happens if you put that in a church setting, then, you know, people would look at me and be like, you can't stand out that much, or you can't look that beautiful. Like you, you, you can't look that way. And I'm like, well, I was fully covered up. Like, you know, it's nothing about, I was wearing a skirt down to my, I actually was wearing a maxi skirt. Okay. Like it was like, my legs weren't even showing, but they were looking at me. And if I wore that in a church environment, you know, it could be because I stand out. Like I, I can't be able to stand out just because I'm wearing a beautiful outfit or look beautiful and had my makeup done that day. Yes. You know, so we, you said this in your video, so I'm going to quote you. Women's beauty is not her choice, but lust is our choice. And that is really powerful because a woman cannot control her curves, the beautiful features that she has, but we can on the other side, control if we are lusting over that person and what they they are presenting. Um, and again, if that person's intention is not an attention of seductiveness, right? So if we're coming to this point and freeing women with this idea that, yes, women it's okay to be sexy. It is okay to embrace that. Um, how do we steward that in a healthy way? That was the second part of your video, and it's super powerful. Um, well, this is where you talk about the seductiveness, but I'd love for you to break it down a little bit. Yes, absolutely. So um, I mentioned earlier that there's a difference between sexiness and seduction, and seduction comes with intent. I can read to you um, the, the definition of 
of seduction. So seductive means this, to entice someone into sexual activity, to entice. And so I looked up the word entice and the word entice means attract or tempt by offering pleasure or advantage. So being seductive means to offer something and with intent. Um, And so if you're being seductive, you are offering parts of yourself that shouldn't be offered, you know? And so I think um, stewarding sexiness, stewarding sexiness without it going into seduction, I do think it it, it, it boils down to a lot of the actions that you take independent of modesty. But let's just touch on modesty for a moment. Um, because I think some people in my video um, would have liked for me to touch on it more, um, which I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, I just want to make sure that in the quest for understanding modesty, we are still not putting the onus on the one we're beholding. I think that's really important. It's so important because many times when we bring up the conversation about modesty, it is like, yeah, gotcha, cover up. You know, and I just, that's, that's the connotation I want to take away from it. I believe in modesty. I practice modesty to the best of my ability, you know? Um, but like, I, I want to make sure that as we're talking about modesty, it's in the context of modesty within our own hearts and not necessarily pointing that towards anyone else. So, um, and the intention, the intention and why we're doing it. It's so important. Absolutely. So if you're a woman who has a larger chest. I believe that it's mindful to consider how low cut your top is. Now I I will say this, like if there is an environment where the standard is, you need to be completely covered up to the neck. That same standard that you're holding someone with a bigger chest to must be the same standard that you're holding someone with a smaller chest to, because this can, it's unfair for it to not apply to everyone. It's the same thing with our faces. Like when a beautiful woman beats her face, you know, like they're like, take your makeup off, you know? But like when, when someone that maybe isn't as conventionally attractive puts makeup on, gets so much praise. Oh, you look so lovely. You look so beautiful. You know? So like uh, keeping the standard the same, I think is fair. If you have any control of the environment, I think that's, that's important. Um, But being mindful of that, you know, like this isn't to say, hey, like if you bend over and you can see more of your boobs, like that, that's a little bit challenging to control. But I think just being mindful of that is, is, is kind. It's loving, you know, like you have to consider, um, hey, somebody in here may not even want to see that part of me, you know, like, yeah. Maybe and why do I want to show that part of exactly. me to a stranger? Exactly. That's the question I ask. I'm like, I don't really want to show I, my husband, definitely. But this person or my husband has a guy's night. I'm like, I don't want to wear the thing I would just wear around my husband around the guys at yes. a guy's night. I'm like, mm, I don't want those guys to be seeing that. That's not... Yes what I even desire. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that boils down to availability. So Mm -hmm. like, I believe the heart of modesty is what you make available. You know, like um, when I look at modesty in the Bible, many times um, it's centered around um, the flashiness, right? Like like flashiness of your hair, flashiness of your, your, your display of wealth. Right. Um, But like when we think about modesty in the context of sexuality, like 
what are you making available to the world, which actually should be made available only to your sexual partner, only to your husband, right? Like, I don't want the world to see the part that I've made available to my husband, you know? So I think that that's mindful. Like, just be mindful of those things. Um, and then um, there's also a couple of other definitions that I think that we throw around and we use the words interchangeably, but it could actually be damaging if we don't define them and delineate them. So another one is um, provocative. So we will call someone who is beautiful provocative, but provocative means to arouse sexual desire, especially deliberately. Okay. So someone who is provocative, they're saying, I am choosing to arouse sexual desire. Many times, um, like someone who is provocative, like they could be creating content that is explicitly sexual. Like the any, you show this to anyone, everybody's saying, yes, this like is the thirst con- traps. Thirst okay. Trap. Like, right. uh, yeah, exactly. that's a thirst <laughs> trap. Like someone posting a beautiful selfie isn't a thirst trap. Right. But you know, like when you're, you can tell, you know, like you're <laughs> absolutely um, there's a difference. There, it's it's deliberate. This deliberate intent to incite lust, and so like, um, be for to call someone provocative based on their appearance alone is completely unfair and untrue. It's just not. A, we cannot use that language. It's wrong language. It's incorrect language. Another one is uh, promiscuous. We'll call someone promiscuous. For being beautiful. Promiscuous means having or involving many sexual partners, not restricted to one sexual partner. So this literally has nothing to do with your appearance. Someone could be covered from head to toe. You may not even consider them attractive, but in their private life, they're promiscuous because they sleep around. And so we cannot assume that someone who is very good looking is automatically loose. You know, like we cannot say that. And it's very, it's it's a horrible assumption. And many times Mm. people don't even know what the word promiscuous means. And so they're using it interchangeably with this person is sexy. Yes. You know, just say, just say that, say I'm attracted to them. That that's completely different. It's the, this is exactly it. People interchange the word sexy, seductive, promiscuous, like all of these words are being used interchangeably and they all have different definitions. Yeah. And what we're trying to reclaim once again is that sexiness is not a bad thing. Um, and sexiness can be redeemed. That and and like that beautiful, I'm going back to the top finish, exciting and appealing. Like, hey, I I I can't control if my body, the way I look, is exciting and appealing to you. But like this is a God-given body. Like this is a God-given facial feature. Like this is what I look like. <laughs> Um, versus that seductiveness, which is I'm purposely doing something to entice sexual like behavior or a desire on their end, right? Versus that promiscuousness. There's so all different definitions, which I mean, it's very, very, very important to delineate before between those definitions. Yes, and can I speak to that too as well? So I believe a perfect example of stewarding sexiness well is. What you did when you, whenever you went into the store, you were dressed well, you were not looking to incite lust, you were not looking for unwanted attention, but you were beautiful. You are allowed to take up space. You are allowed to be beautiful. You're allowed to put on makeup, put on a pretty dress to celebrate someone else's son's birthday. Like that, if this is something that could be afforded to everyone else, it could be afforded to you as a beautiful woman. And 
just because you get attention when you walk out by men does not mean that you don't have permission to simply exist in the body that God gave you. That is a beautiful example of stewarding your sexiness. If they are in their own minds undressing you, like that is on them, not you. Well, in that case, then I have to go in a bag everywhere that Literally. I like. And it's that. Uh, what? like that's not, The mile I marker's down, always moving. It's always. And even then, maybe they're still like, oh, and I'm like, OK, wait, I'm literally now in a bag and you're still looking at me weird. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's. It's, yeah. So that's, it's very funny because sometimes even with my husband, like I could literally be sick and on my deathbed feeling like so bad. And he's like, you're so beautiful to me. And I'm like, again, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I'm like, I am definitely not trying in any way to look good right now. I was just using the restroom and you're like, you're so beautiful, you know? Um, but back to stewarding sexiness, I have some like practical examples or questions, you know, because I think there's some practical ways that we can um, encourage women within this and enc encourage like healthy parameters. And I do think one area where it's just, you know, we're all out there is Instagram, social media. And I think that there is a reality that exists where we have to check in with ourselves for the kinds of photos or the kinds of things that we're posting on social media. So do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. So what I'll say is I have standards for myself. I believe that we're all on very specific journeys with God and the Holy Spirit. And for me to ascribe any standards, it's so unfair and unwise simply because all of this is contextual, like very contextual, especially like your background, where you live, all of that. But I can share some standards that I hold for myself. So um, I consider anything like a, a bikini shot, a swimsuit. Um, if I'm in a swimsuit, what I would do is um, like wear a cover-up with it that's something I would do. Um, to the best of my ability, I'm mindful of how I show up with anything that's low cut, you know, like if there, if I'm filming a video and there's a part in the video where it slips down for a moment, I'm not going to be so legalistic about that. However, yes. I am going to be mindful if throughout an entire video, my, my boobs are showing. I'm, yeah. I'm going to say it's not worth me posting that video. Either well, and also it would make you uncomfortable. You'd probably be thinking would. about it. Like, is my is something slipping out here? Like, that's also yes. part of it. It's like, I don't want to be sitting there wondering if something is going to pop out that I don't want to pop out. Right. <laughs> like, just yeah. being frank. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. For sure. Mm. But even in saying that, like, there are women who have bigger chests than I do. And maybe their cleavage is so much more noticeable. It's, it may be even harder for them to cover it up. You know, like I have very average sizes here. Okay. So it's like, it, it's fairly simple for me to cover that. But even for a woman, a woman with a bigger chest, like for me to ascribe that same standard to her, it may be challenging unless everything that she wears is crew neck, you know, is she, is she only allowed to wear crew neck, you know? And so like, I, this, that's why I'm very careful about ascribing this to everyone because everybody's body type is different. Um, also in terms of like, um, like you're not going to see me. One of the things that standards I have for myself is I, I'm not going to post a picture for me behind, like 
I'm just not going to do that. If it's a video and it's just like moving and it's a part of the storyline or something like that, I'm not going to be like legalistic about that, but I'm not intentionally just going to sit in front of a camera and take a picture from my backside because that's all you're going to see. That is quite intentional from my own opinion. That's, that's quite intentional because you have control over whether or not you take a picture from the front or from the back. Um, And so I'm not going to do that because your eye wouldn't actually just look at your butt, you know, like, <laughs> which is something I'm not making available to the world. If somebody notices my butt while I'm out, I'm like, I, I have a butt. Okay. Like it exists. Yeah. But I, I, to put it in front of someone's face while they're just inconspicuously scrolling, not looking for me, I think is unfair. Like you have to also consider the end user. Like I know for me, people follow me for faith-based content. They do not follow me for sexual content, you know? That's not the kind of content that I create. They're not even following you for like your style. They're exactly. like following you. Yeah. Exactly. Because like, if you were a fashion blogger and you're posting photos of your outfits, okay, that's one thing, but they're not following you for that. It's also very random if you just randomly post something like exactly. that on your page. I'm so yeah. glad that you said that. Like I'm not a style influencer um, because- mm. It's not uncommon to see a style influencer wear like a, um, I don't know the name of it, like a unitard. I don't know what to call it, but like something. Oh yeah, like a bodysuit. A bodysuit, exactly. To wear a bodysuit and change in and out of different outfits. Should that same standard be held to them because they're showing different outfits? Potentially. I'm not sure. I personally wouldn't post in a bodysuit changing outfits, but I also have to consider my context, you know, like my content, my context is I create faith-based content. Um, and so I'm just consistently being mindful of, of the end user. The end user is following me for that purpose. And so like knowing that it would be totally unfair to them for me to, uh, really emphasize my body or really emphasize my sexuality, you know? Um, now I think that that I I also have freedom. Like I still post pictures of me and my family, you know, like I recently just got my hair redone. I posted a selfie, you know? So like, I'm still going to show up and take up space. And I, my entire, um, uh, uh, value to society isn't the faith things that I could say, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I can still show up as myself, yes, but I think yes. I'm, I'm mindful of, of things like that, like taking shots or, um, even like if it, if it's a dance, is this, does this dance look like a explicitly sexual kind of dance, you know, like, mm-hmm. or Hey, am I doing like a little, you know, cha-cha dance, you know, like completely <laughs> yeah. different, you know? So yeah. I have some of those standards for myself. But based on someone's context, based on their body type, based on their industry, I think all of those things can be flexed. But I think it's wise for us to simply be mindful of it and also consult with the Holy Spirit. Yes. I think that's where it comes down to your intention. If I'm a style blogger and I'm doing a video where I'm changing multiple outfits, wearing a bodysuit, what is my intention? And also who is following me? I mean, more than likely it's a lot of women following me and it's it's different. And if I have a guy friend that's following me or somebody, if I'm single, then you know maybe that guy friend needs to assess like, hey, do I? is it good for me to be watching this woman, knowing this is her context and her content, like, do does that make me feel a certain kind of way? Just knowing myself, because then maybe he's not going to follow her. And I think because, okay, here's, this is like the extreme, but I have friends, I live in LA, I know a lot of people loosely that um, are models. And so they're posting 
Now, I think that that's a complicated subject, but I think also like, hey, if you are uncomfortable, if I'm following somebody who's a model and they're posting a photo for their job, for their work, that makes me feel uncomfortable, I'm going to probably not follow them. And that's more on me than for me to say, hey, you have bad intentions in posting that photo and you shouldn't really post that because to your point, I don't know their intention and I can't ascribe to if they are trying to be something or trying to get attention from that photo they're posting. I do know they're a model and this is what they do for work. For me, I don't really want to see those photos um, just personally. So I may not follow that person of the opposite gender if they're posting a lot of photos as a model or if they're a bodybuilder, same thing. This is just for me personally, um, where I have to also, and I think as men, men can do this too, like take ownership of like, hey, what makes you feel comfortable or uncomfortable in seeing? Knowing if my friend is a bodybuilder, do I want to, does, do I want to see that? You know, that's maybe okay for them in their industry, but then I'm going to ask myself, like, if this, I'm not objectifying them. I just don't know if I feel comfortable with this. So I might unfollow them. And I think that's important because I think where the narrative goes is it goes to, instead of me taking ownership of what I am and I'm not comfortable following and looking at, it goes to, hey, this person can't be posting that kind of photo. Exactly. Because they are X, Y, Z. They're promiscuous, seductive, all the words we said before. And I can't ascribe that judgment on that person. I don't know their intention or the context of why they're posting that photo. That's so So. huge. I'm so glad you brought up those two industries, Uh, (laughs) modeling and fitness. This is Mm -hmm. things like that is exactly why we cannot ascribe just a blanket standard, especially if it's the standard for what you're going to wear in church, you know, like, like uh, you have to consider like there are specific outfits that you're going to wear to the gym because it's more comfortable, (laughs) you know, like you're sweating, you know, like you may be getting hot. You need a fabric that's good with sweat. Exactly. Like, yeah. There's certain things that you're going to wear there that you're not going to wear to church. And also models like God, we never know what God is doing with someone. Like imagine there's a, a Christian model in the modeling industry and God intentionally wants this woman to infiltrate the modeling industry. You know, like we don't know that, you know? And so I just think it's 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 important. And, and also, we never know where someone is in their walk with Christ as well. You know, like um, sometimes we could be um, dealing with these uh, more minor gray area issues when God could be working on them about like, hey, I want to build your faith in me. I want to show you who I am. I want to show you your identity in Christ, you know? And so when we heap more expectation upon them, because they have good looking features or maybe they dress less modestly than we would prefer, we could actually be causing more harm to their walk with Christ. I think it's so important what we say, you know, like I'll never forget. Like I had like recently rededicated my life to Christ and um, in the church that I grew up in wearing something like wearing a dress with spaghetti straps was not uncommon. It wasn't seen as immodest. Um, So I went to, to this uh, Blackmore Pentecostal church with um, a dress with spaghetti straps. Um, And so it's already a little bit vulnerable for me to be in a church environment that is very new. Like I I didn't grow up in this environment. This is a very different uh, denomination that I'm even used to. Um, So that's already vulnerable for me. 
Um, but then a woman w- walked up to me and she said, oh, sweetie, your husband lets you go out like that. Aren't you cold? And she's rubbing my shoulders. And I felt so ashamed. I felt so condemned because I didn't even think there was anything wrong with what I was wearing. That It didn't even cross my mind. I think it would be different if it's like, oh, should I wear this or should I not wear this? I'll, I'll wear it. It didn't even cross my mind. I didn't even think that it would be seen that way. And so when that happened, it actually made me feel so much shame and condemnation and it did more damage. And I it, it took me quite a bit of time. It took me months to recover from that. And of, of course, I ended up going and meeting that church's modesty standard, which I think we should do. If we if we go to a church environment and they have a specific standard, I think it's fair and kind to uphold that to the best that you know it, you know? Um, but like, we can't assume everybody else knows your modesty standard. And so when we say things like that, it can cause so much damage. And so it's it's important for us to... Um, if, if someone else is less modest and we would prefer, hey, we can we can distance ourselves and take some measures um, to where we're not looking too long if they're in front of us. But if it's on social media, hey, mute them, unfollow them. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it really is that doesn't simple. mean you can't be friends or right. love them as a person. Like, yeah, my husband did an unfollowing spree when we got like got into a relationship because he's like, I realized like some of my friends that were girls or in my small group or at my church that I had followed. I just didn't want to see their photos like that, the kind of photos they were posting anymore. Yeah. And he went on an unfollowing spree. Not that he doesn't talk to them anymore. He just was like, hey, I don't really want to see this content in front of my face all the time, you know? And that also just built so much trust for me with my story of guys who didn't do that and other things happened there. But my last question for you, this has been so good, is I think this is really powerful to also just think through how does this affect what we might wear on a date, you know, in the context of dating? Because my listeners are all pretty much single, you know? So when we're going on a date and we're like, I want to be beautiful, where's the line, right? Of like how this may affect what we're wearing on a date and our intentions behind that, right? Whew, that is a loaded question. Um, because I think how you would go on a date while you're dating could look different going out on a date while married. The first place where my mind went was, I mean, I went on a date with my husband last night, you know, so I'm thinking, what would I wear on a date with him? Um, But then I probably would be more likely to wear something a little bit more form fitting on a date with my husband than I would if this was a first date with somebody I met on Hinge, you know, like probably going to wear something different, you know? So, um, but what... What I would say to the married women, I know you, you speak to a lot of dating people, at least just for the married women, because I'm married. Um, I would say, check with your husband. I think that his comfort level is usually a good place for you to land. Like consult with the Holy Spirit and then check with your husband. Like he usually would probably know, oh, you look beautiful. You look sexy. I love the way you look but you're not being immodest, you know, like I, this, this doesn't look like you're trying to incite less. Like I, I, men actually have quite a good gauge on that. You know, I feel like, um, generally they have a good gauge on that. Um, especially our husbands now in terms of like, while you're dating, you're single. Um, I would say what you use as bait to get the man will be what you use to keep him. I think it's always wise to remain on the air of more modest than less when it comes to dating, simply because if 
if someone is drawn to you primarily because of your sexuality, then that is the same type of uh, draw that they have generally. You know, like my husband said, you were beautiful and you were attractive. And that's why I even pursued you. But then I got to know you and I'm like, I love who you are as a person. You have so much substance. But he never said, oh, you were just like, I saw you in this sexual light and I, and I wanted to sleep with you. Like, that's actually not the case, you know? Um, but if if you're using more of, of your body in order to um, get that attention, it's likely that the person whose attention that you got their attention can look from from woman to woman to woman to woman, you know? It, right, Because there are a lot of women who have bodies that they can show, you know? Yeah. And so um, you'll want – of course you want to be beautiful. Be beautiful. Be yes. beautiful. Be yes. beautiful. Put on your best outfit. Look great, you know? Maybe you – Do what – wear something that you feel great absolutely. in. Absolutely. Like I feel – I feel comfortable. I'm not worried about, like we said earlier, something, all these things happening, my dress flying up on the date. Like, I don't want to worry about that, but I do want to feel beautiful, beautiful and confident and good. Yes. Like, yes, yes, absolutely. Meaning, yeah, you don't, don't like, we're not saying, like, definitely not saying on a first date wear a giant oversized t shirt and just have no form shape at all. No, definitely not. Because you probably won't feel good in that. Like, I wouldn't if I was on a date. I'd feel like I'm in, like at home chilling, you know? So um, wear something that makes you feel confident. And again, I would say going back to that intention, like thinking through, is my intention to like make him sexually interested in me or do I just genuinely want to show up beautiful and confident? And there is a difference there and only you really know the intention of why you're putting on the things you're putting on for a date, you know? And I think that goes back to you have nothing to prove to a man. If you're trying through your outfit on a first date, second date to make make him like you. That goes into that proving, which I talk to women a lot about through what we wear, through how we're trying to like prove to them that we're so amazing, that they should love us and we're so beautiful or like, hey, sexy. No, like not beautiful, but the sexy part or the um, seductive part, right? Language matters. But we don't have anything to prove in that early time. Like be truly confident and truly yourself. Um, and and only you know your intentions for what you're wearing on a date and why you're wearing that. I Absolutely. Yes. Dress in something that you feel beautiful and confident in. Absolutely. Yeah. So good. Amanda, this has been phenomenal. I love having you on. And this conversation has been just so good. I'm like so excited for people to hear it. Um, People can connect to you on Instagram. Tell them where they can find you. Yes. Oh, this is a fantastic conversation. Um, Yeah. You can look me up, Amanda Pittman on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok and Pinterest and YouTube. So um, yeah, you can find me, Amanda Pittman. Um, You can also look at my website and my ministry is Confident Woman Co. We're on Instagram and we have a website as well. This has been um, such a needed conversation. And um, I also love hearing your perspective uh, talking more so towards those who are dating. I think it's such a unique perspective Mm. and a conversation that's worth having. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, girl. You are amazing. Blessings to you. And we'll talk soon, girl. The Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate Warman. It is a part of the Converge podcast network. Our incredible editor is the one and only Scott Caro. Our theme music was developed by the amazing Christian Ledoux. 
If this is your first time listening to the podcast, or if you've never written us a review or ranked us on iTunes, we'd encourage you to do so because it helps us so much to get this podcast into more people's ears. We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesday. So we'll see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 